everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Comic Talk, the podcast. My name is Jesse Rivera. Today is Monday, October the 5th, and this is episode number 74 of Comic Talk, the podcast. And my guest is Tara Christian Wiedner from Everett, Washington. Tara and I have something in common, and you're going to find out what that is during the podcast because we talk about it, we laugh about it, we reminisce about it, and we have a good time talking about it. I met Tara, I, you know, I actually haven't met her, I met her virtually um, last week doing her Rush In Roulette open mic. I'm pretty sure I talked about that in my intro last week, but I had a really good time. I did it again this week, and it's a lot of fun, so you should check it out. Um, let's see what what else is going on. Um, I haven't watched anything on TV because I have rediscovered my love of reading. When I was a kid, dude, I used to love to read. I read all the time. I was like, read every book I can get my hands on. I used to read Rolling Stone magazine from front to back every two weeks when it would come out. But here lately, I did not enjoy reading anymore because my eyesight has gotten so bad that just like the small print, like it's, it's safe for me to drive and stuff like that. But trying to read small print on a book is not, was not fun for me anymore. So in these last like five or six years, I, I hardly have been doing any reading. And my friends would be like, Jesse, why don't you get a pair of reading glasses and maybe that'll help. And I'd be like, reading glasses, that's for old people. I don't need reading glasses. I just don't like to read anymore. And they would look at me like, okay. Well, for Christmas, I got a couple of books and for Christmas, excuse me, for my birthday, I got a couple of books and one of them I was really dying to read. It's Richard Blade's autobiography, World in My Eyes. And I broke down, got a pair of reading glasses. Holy crap. It's like night and day. Like I could see the words again. And I was in, I've been reading like one to two hours every night and I have been having a blast and you know what I, I since I'm talking about how much I've been reading I just want to apologize to my roommate Emily Peterson right now because inadvertently every night she gets a book report about the last chapter or two that I've read like she gets like this little two-minute synopsis of where I am in the book and she's a really good sport about it because she's a millennial and I don't think she has any interest in 1980s music video DJs but she pretends to be interested and she really pretends to like the stories and she's a really good sport about it so hats off to you Emily hey speaking of friends uh, my buddy Johnny Taylor he started a new podcast uh, his first guest on the podcast was another local guy Keith Lowe Jensen it's a great podcast I'm not exactly sure what it's called right now but why don't you just go to your podcasting device and search Johnny Taylor and I guarantee you it will come up because that's how the internet works right search engines that's how search engines work they they look stuff up for you that you're not absolutely sure of so enough about me enough about Johnny enough about Emily enough oh wait one more thing about me this Saturday October the 10th I'm not sure at exactly what time. Why don't you check my Instagram page? I'm sure there's a flyer for it on my Instagram page. But I am doing a live in-person comedy show at Sack Ramp. Yes, Sack Ramp. 
The information is on my Instagram page. It's really cool. It's a concert put on by Reefer Rangers. And I believe there's like seven or eight bands, musical acts, whatever you want to call them, because some of them are hip hop artists. And even though they don't play instruments, they're not technically a band, but they are artists. They create music. So there is a lot of different types of music going on. And in between the musical sets, there will be comics telling jokes. Comics like myself, Jackie Pearl, Ed Mena, schedule subject to change, as they always say in these events that are going on. So check that out. Check out Richard Blade's autobiography. Check out Johnny Taylor's podcast. But right now, check out episode 74 of Comic Talk, the podcast with my guest, the talented Tara Christian Wiedner. Have a great day, folks. Take care of each other. So Tara Christian Wiedner, is it Wiedner? Yes, it is. Tara Christian Wiedner, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, Jesse. How are you? Oh, good. And it was so uh, fun to meet you last week. Uh, I'm going to tell the folks. You want to tell the folks where we met? Oh, we met at my riff mic. Yes. Yeah. Rush, um, Rush in roulette. Rush in roulette. Not like Russia, but rush in. So hurry your ass in and play some roulette. But not roulette. I don't. I fucked that up hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the rush in roulette. That's where we met. Um, the riff mic ruled by rotation. We've got a. Was that mic born out of a necessity during this whole lockdown period, or was it something you had toyed with before? That actually, um, God, I was sitting in bed. This was like three weeks ago. This mic is brand new. This is a new concept. Um, wow. Yeah, about three weeks ago, I was sitting in bed, and the other two mics that I run, uh, Make the Love Seat Laugh and Couch Potatoes, they have no light. They're long sets, and they go on and on. But I've noticed I'm running into a problem where I'll have a few comics that come in with, like, three new jokes, but spread it out over, like, a 10-minute set. And I'm like, all right, how can I limit the time and not be the bad guy? And I'm like, all right, I need something random. Mm. All right, let's work a wheel into this so you get like a random thing. And I'm like, wait, if we're going to do that, let's give a random subject too. And then we started with a list like other open mics do. And then I'm like, fuck that. Names go on the wheel too. So now it's everything is random. You don't know when you're going up. You don't know how much time you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. And it has been the funniest show that I have ever hosted. It goes against everything I've ever, like, it's, it's everything I've ever not wanted in, <laughs> I, 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 I just had my two year comedy anniversary, right? So uh-huh. I still call myself an open micer, right? Yeah. I, I've had some decent shows, but I'm going to call myself an open micer. I'm not calling myself a comic because I don't want the purists coming down on me, right? But anyway, <laughs> um, at open mics, I do not like open mics where I don't know when I'm going up. Um, I definitely don't like open mics where, like, it's less than, like, where they automatic, where they, like, sometimes, like, you go to an open mic and, like, it's a five-minute mic. Oh, we got too many people here. It's going to be a three-minute mic. And then yeah. you're, like, scrambling to, like, change your set around and, like, all right, I can't try this out tonight. I'm going to have to definitely try this out. Mm-hmm. And um, 
because even when you're trying out new material, you still want to do like one of your solid jokes to just to get your, your footing. Like that's something like I learned, like somebody taught me that, like, don't just go up there and riff new material. Like go ahead and, you know, go do your solid joke first, get their attention, then slip in the new material. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when they suddenly take two minutes away from you and you're down to, you walked in thinking you had five minutes and now you got three minutes. You're like, Oh shoot. Cause three minutes means you're going to get the light at two minutes. Yep. that has happened so many times that was why i wanted the whole like no light mic because there's so much anxiety that comes with the light you end up like tripping over your own jokes and i know i have messed up more sets being nervous about when i'm getting the light than anything so yeah saying all right we have no light at my mics really shot me in the ass with a couple things but it's also been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jackie Pearl came over last week and had coffee with me, and uh, she she does so many of these Zoom shows that like I can't keep up, right? Uh, and awesome. she was just like, "You got to try this," and I was like, uh, "No, no, no!" Like she she described <laughs> the three the three things to me, and I was like, "No, no, no, no!" There's no way I'm gonna do that. And she's yeah. like, "Come on, come on!" I was like, "All right, let me try it." And then I get in there and she's not there and Danny's not there. And I don't know, like, I barely know anybody in that room. Uh, I, I think like, was Sam Medina in there? Yeah. Sam was in there that and day. And I don't even really know. Like I only know Sam, like Facebook, Sam, Sam and his wife. Right. Uh-huh. We're just barely Facebook friends. Like in the last, like during this whole quarantine period. Yeah. So I didn't know anybody. And so it really took me out of my comfort zone. And then I was dead last, like, which ended up, it was kind of cool, but because at least I knew that it was my turn. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but every time the wheel spun and it didn't get me, like, I was like, every time I was like, okay, I have a one in nine chance. All right, I have a one in eight chance. All right, okay, it's 50-50. It's going to, oh, yep. my God. Like, <laughs> Don't play the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And that's, that's, you know, people like to say, that's just my luck. But um, that really was just my luck. But uh I, I ended up having, I was really happy with my set. You did beautifully. And the uh, fact that you like Facebook stalked me beforehand to know where I was from. That yeah. was beautiful. Cause yeah. one, no one ever knows where the hell Bakersfield is and no one's going to think to roast the host during a riff mic. That was beautiful. Thank you. Um, because I knew that being from Bakersfield, you were going to have a tough skin, right? Where, um, ah. um, <laughs> My dad, my dad coined the phrase uh, maybe 50 years ago, we're Mexican Okies, you know? <laughs> um, and I like to say, like, people are like, what's a Mexican Okie? And I'm like, well, you ever see somebody put, like, tapatillo sauce on their biscuits and gravy? Yes! <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I or, only look white. I am, yeah. I am also Mexican. So, yeah, you're, you're speaking my brand right yeah, now. Yeah, or, like, you ever see a really nice lowrider with a George Strait mural, you know? Yep. Just, like, that kind of stuff. We're Mexican Okies, and uh, I knew you'd have a you you could you could take it, you know. Uh, the best is the lowrider El Camino with the purple pinstriping and a KUZZ bumper sticker on the back. KUZZ. <laughs> Buck Owens. Man, Buck. I, Buck did, do you have any Crystal Palace stories? You ever, did you ever get to go there? I I do actually. Um. Let's see. Uh, I thought my water broke during a trick pony concert. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, um, no, I have actually, I saw a lot of big names there because 
funny enough, I was working in radio when that place opened. So. Oh, really? What station yeah. were you working for? Well, I was working with uh, Clear Channel Media, so I was just bouncing around to all the stations in Bakersfield. So I was there with Crab, and I did a little bit of moonlighting with KUZZ because they were on with a different company, but mostly Crab was where I was at. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was how I met Rob Zombie. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So did you go, did you get to go to a lot of great shows in Bakersfield? Like did like the Corn Rob Zombie show? Um, I didn't do the Corn Rob Zombie show. I did the Aussie Rob Zombie show. And that one I actually got to be one of the staff members in the backstage meet and greet. Nice. So, yeah, I was wrangling some groupies and like, nah, bitches, stand back. Wow. I will let you in. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was that, funny. It, that, it was, was, that was Rob Zombie at like the height of Rob Zombie before he had like all this i mean not not i'm not taking anything away from rob zombie now but that's when he wasn't like he wasn't really a movie guy yet yeah that was i think um house of a thousand corpses maybe had been released but okay. i think that was the only one he hadn't redone the halloween yet no wait may wait no no because this was in 2000 oh it he had because we actually took our halloween poster and had him sign it so yes. Oh, nice. You know, yeah. that the the Rob Zombie Halloween remake has I don't know how many times you've watched it. I watched it like two or three times. Like a billion. It had the scene when they go into this bar and there's this crazy band playing live at the bar. Mm -hmm. That is one of the most insane, beautiful sequences I've ever seen in any movie. Musical sequence. It yeah. is intense. And that I don't know who that band is. Um, so I, it, it's so beautiful that like I don't want to like sometimes with movies like I'll, I'll research them and I'll, I'll like who's that band where did they come from right yeah but, like with that one like I just want to let it live in the cinema and just let it live in that that fantasy world <laughs> that fantasy <laughs> world that he created because that is one of the most beautiful uh, music scenes in in any movie ever yeah that was it's killer you can Google it. Go ahead. Who is it? Well, I'm trying to Google it. The, the band was very Oingo Boingo-esque. But I know there's no way it was Oingo Boingo, but it was like, that's what it was like. It had, they had that energy. So are you um, the first Halloween or the second? The first one. Okay. Captain Clegg and the Night Creatures. Wow. That's exactly what they looked like too. Yeah. 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 I may have to, that may have them since we're in October, that might have to be a, a Halloween rewatch for this I'm month. Sure if you've noticed my background. I was noticing all of that. But that looks like it's year round. <laughs> it is. I'm guilty. <laughs> That's not decorations. Those are real cobwebs. <laughs> no, these are throw pillows. I'm That's high class. Not... I clean the cobwebs and then put up fake ones. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny, huh? We we clean up and then make stuff look rustic. Yeah. Oh, I've got like. Let's see if I can rotate this. Oh, you are chilling. Look at that. We we get a little fancy here. You are you that that is the definition of cozy. <laughs> right now. That's um, cozy. So had you been had you been running open mics even before all of this or did did all your open did did all of this Zoom stuff start when all of this started? So um truth be told, I'm actually coming up on my two year comedy anniversary too. Oh wow. 
Yeah. Um, I, I started doing comedy. God, next month will be two years. Okay. And I didn't get to grind as much as I wanted to, like in the before times, like I had a full-time job, I have a family and you know, it's just, it's not as easy when you have all those things. So when COVID hit, it happened at a time where I was already planning to take a break from comedy because I was getting married and I had other things going on. And by the time that my little break was over, comedy hadn't started back up yet and everything was still closed down. And then I started checking out the Zoom shows that were going on and I liked them, but I, you know, just the whole thing, like, there's a couple things I could make better. And rather than give those hosts unsolicited advice, I'm looking at you people that message me all the damn time. Because uh, we all know, we all love that. Right? Oh God, I love it so much. Yes, if you have an idea, great, go start your own show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, rather than be like, hey, here's what I would change about what you're doing. I'm like, I have a premium Zoom account. I have sound equipment. Let's see what happens. And it turns out I know how to produce. I know how to do, how to figure out show concepts. And I found out that I like this more than the before times. Like this is feeding my soul. I can grind the way that I want to. I can hustle the way that I want to. I can hit seven mics in a single day and practice those jokes. And then right. know that if things don't work out for me at one mic, big fucking deal. I have my own the next day where I'm the boss and I'm the host and I get to run it how I want. So it, it was all for selfish gain. And uh, so short answer, no, I didn't run open mics or shows before COVID hit, but thanks to the pandemic, I think I might once the world opens back up. Yeah. And you know, when, I, when I joined your, your mic last week, it, it, it felt like, like you'd been running shows forever. You know, Thank like, you. like there wasn't, like, that's why I was like wondering, like, okay, she must be doing this all the time. Like she just easily transitioned from like hosting shows to like hosting online. So, but yeah, look at that. You fooled me. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Right. Yeah. Well, you definitely made it that because that, that mic was, was so much fun. And um, I'm looking forward to doing it again today. And it was funny because this morning I caught myself, you know, like when you're kind of like running through your day of like, you know, I was sitting there brushing my teeth and I was like, all right, what material should I try at the mic tonight? Maybe, oh, wait, I don't get to <laughs> <laughs> throw that out the window. Yeah, yeah. Then, yep. But then I started thinking about it kind of like um, from an improv perspective of like, if I have like four minutes, like mm -hmm. what if. I take the, what if like I challenge myself with, I take the given topic and then in the, in, in, the, in the improv way of thinking, try to ABC myself from the given topic to some of my material. Uh-huh. And so now like that's going through the back of my mind of like seeing like, and I think that that, that would really, that's a good exercise when you start thinking about when you get back into the real world and you're riffing and you're doing uh, crowd work with somebody mm -hmm. like you just pick a couple from the audience and like, you never know what they're going to throw at you. And like, like crowd work was something that I never touched because I, it would just derail me. Cause like, like I said, I've only been doing like when, when, uh, when the lockdown hit, I had only been doing comedy about, you know, 18 months. So I was still in the, okay, I've got my solid 10 minutes, but Mm -hmm. If somebody drops a beer in the middle of my set, it's going to mess me up, you know? 
Yeah. I, I feel that I, God, right before lockdown hit, I had the longest set that I had been given. I was given a feature set, 25 minutes. Like, Holy cow. Well, first they told me, hey, we're going to give you a 20 minute set. And then I show up and they're all, you can do 25 to 30, right? And I'm like, hmm, sure. And it was like crowd full of hecklers and I lost my footing and I had had way too many edibles right before. Oh. And it was like just this cluster of everything that could go wrong. And that was in the back of my mind when I came up with the riff mic. Like that was literally the worst night of my comedy career. Like mm-hmm. it was horrible. I had like a mental breakdown that night. Luckily I had a show two days later and redeemed myself. But um, it was just like, you know, I need to learn how to riff. I'm not good at it. I hate crowd work. So yeah, this is, it's to help me too. It's selfish gains. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to tell you people this enough. I am selfish as fuck and this is for my own good. But it was like, there aren't any writing workshops like this. I'm not great with the writing workshops where they're like, okay, so write on this topic. We'll see you on this day and let's see what you came up with. I don't want a homework assignment. Yeah, I'm not going to sit down and do it. Yeah, <laughs> I want you to sit there and be like, hey, let's talk about this and just see what funny shit comes out of our mouths. And it's been raw and it's been honest. And I actually, um, one of my friends that does improv, he's been really um, active and participating with this. And he's probably been one of like the biggest supporters. He's like, oh my God, this is so awesome for improv people, not just stand up. So now we have like the two worlds converging. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I feel about letting those nerds come in and play with us, but whatever. It's a good time. <laughs> that, that is, it, it's weird, huh? The, the improv <laughs> and, the, and the comedy world, they don't always uh, gel well together. It's um, like Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. We're all, oh. We are all nerds, but we're playing two different games. And when uh-huh. we mix the two, it's going to get confusing, but it might be really cool. Yeah. Here in Sacramento, um, we have two really good um, uh, theaters where the Sacramento Comedy Spot is known for their improv. And then there's kind of like, um, I don't even know what to call it to be politically correct. I, I almost said like an offshoot of the Sacramento Comedy Spot. But, you know, one of the guys from Comedy Spot left Comedy Spot and started his own thing at a Stab Comedy Theater. And he is very, I mean, he's like one of the greatest improvisers I've ever seen, uh, this dude named Jesse Jones. And so he's got Stab Comedy Theater, but they do comedy shows there. They do like as many comedy shows as they do uh, improv shows. And it's like really like hard to see the worlds they, they want to. They want to come together, but they but they don't. You know, I have a an improv show called Telenovela, um, where I also started it for selfish gains because, you know how like once you start doing comedy, they say, man, you got to host, you got to host. Like that's where you learn, right? I was like, there's no way anybody's gonna let me host right now because like there's a lot of comics in Sacramento, a lot of really mm-hmm. really good comics in Sacramento, and so I was like, well, how can I find a way to host? And I was like oh, I created this improv show that I'm the host of. So there you go. And so I would uh, like the, I don't improvise with them because I don't think I'm a great improviser, but I come out beforehand and I do like between five to 10 minutes and then introduce them and then they Mm -hmm. improvise for 20 minutes. So it gives me that, that mic control that, you know, of 
I did it for my own selfish gains also, but I yeah. love telenovela and uh, we're on hiatus right now, of course, because of the lockdown. But like I, but we, we uh, from there, we started doing what we called the telenovela variety show. And we would have like three comics, an intermission, and then an improv show. So we were kind of doing it. We did, I think we did three of those before uh, everything got shut down, but we'll do more. Oh, there's one of the posters in the background. I, I've been staring at it. I love the font. Yeah, yeah. That's a, a local artist named um, Evan T. Lilly uh, did the graphics for us. Uh, but then that was hand-drawn by a local comic, uh, Miriam Musavi. And I think local comic uh, Ruby Setnik helped her with it. So, um, and like these t-shirts are made by a local company, uh, Sacramento Made. So, nice. yeah, I really do. Um, because like how you said you were in radio, I worked at the, the warehouse, the record store. Oh, in, there you go. On Ming Avenue. Blast from the past. Yeah, I worked there for seven years. So I watched how records were promoted mm-hmm. for, se- you know, for seven years. And, and I've always been, loved music and loved radio. So like I try to bring like that street team mentality to promoting shows. Yeah. Which I'm sure like you, you're bringing that radio mentality to hosting shows, right? Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to jump as far into radio as I wanted to. So like, I don't know. I, I was like a step above intern Okay. when I was in there. Like I, I wasn't like some big name disc jockey. I was handing out prize CDs and I was doing like the tent promotion things when we're that's, outside. That's the fun stuff though. It is the fun stuff, but it doesn't get your name on a billboard. And it also doesn't make anybody know who the hell you are, but it's still fun. And, you know, like you working in a record store, you get to see the promotion end. But I, I think that things have changed so much because this was like 20 years ago. Yeah. So now we have, you know, social media and the word of mouth has just blown up. Like Twitter made the world like this big around and... I hope I didn't do like a proud boy symbol there. It made that big round. We'll just do a rectum. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> well, I don't want to be throwing up like white right. boy gang. Yeah. Um, but right, because yeah. we grew up in Bakersfield. We know all about that shit. You know. Oh, wait, what? What is it? The the ODP, <laughs> the old El Becker Woods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know all about that stuff, and um, I yeah. I love I love Bakersfield. Like I won't I won't diss on Bakersfield, but. I will. I'm so glad I don't live there anymore, you know, but I, yeah. I don't mind going back and visiting, uh, you know, uh, mm. but uh, Crystal Palace still has a great brunch, you know. Uh, the best prime rib ever. Yeah, yeah. Ever. I, oh God. Now, you know what? I would go back to Bakersfield right now just for some Crystal Palace prime rib, their homemade horseradish sauce, and then run over to Dewar's grab myself a pound box of chews, mixed, but mostly pistachio, and then head on over to Smith's, grab some shortbread cookies, and hopefully TSA won't fucking crunch them. I remember you fuckers. I'm coming after you. <laughs> and that would be enough to visit. And I Yeah, can, you know what? When I go home, mind, my family's there. <laughs> when I go home for Christmas, I come back with a box of dwarves. Definitely come back with a box of dwarves. Uh, if my sisters come up to visit, they'll sometimes bring me some Smith's cookies. Um, what else do I definitely, oh, I definitely get a Rusty's pizza. 
anytime. Yes. Oh God, I miss Rusty's pizza. They had the best crust. It was crispy on the bottom and still cushy and doughy on the top. And how do you yeah. do that? Yeah, you know, every time I order a pizza anywhere, I ask them for like a crispy crust, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm like, can you run it a second time? Because that's what they did is like, I worked at Rusty's like for like a year and a half and like oh. you, you run the pizza through one time and then you put it back in the oven, but you put it back in the oven halfway yeah and then then that's how they get that little that that where that it crunches when you bite it and yep. i never get that crunch anywhere except bakersfield they rusty's love, they love their pizza and it always tasted best after like a soccer game with your team i didn't play soccer but i imagine that's probably what it yeah neither did i but that to that made total sense i was out at the when you said that i imagine driving from the soccer fields out at heart park oh geez uh, yeah back into town and getting a rusty's pizza yeah definitely yeah we could just have a whole podcast of like hey you know what cool stuff there is in bakersfield <laughs> the food the food <laughs> The Mexican Let's just food. go to wool growers or something. <laughs> right, right now, uh, a buddy of mine, um, his name is Alex Mendoza. He's setting up like a barbecue spot, like um, in East Bakersfield on Brundage across on Niles, across from the Wiener Schnitzel on Niles. Uh huh. And he's got the best barbecue, but it's like it's heart attack, man. <laughs> like, like I could, I when I went home last time, I had it once and. Like he sent me so much food, like I like it. It lingered for like three days, but man, I felt myself getting so lethargic after eating that stuff. You get the meat sweats. Yeah, definitely <laughs> the meat sweats. Yeah, yeah. What what made you get into comedy? Uh, not not in your early twenties, <laughs> like everyone else. Because right. I I'm a late bloomer. Also, I didn't start comedy. I was uh, 46, 47 when I did my first set. Um, yeah, I've been doing improv since my early 40s, but like I said, I wasn't great at improv. What what made you what made you be a late bloomer in comedy? Um, well, I've I've always followed comedy. I've always been a fan of comedy. So um, I actually just realized, and I said this out loud to a friend, and almost cried because it was one of those like mental breakthrough revelations. Yeah, love comedy those. has been the only consistency my entire life like moving around as a kid or broken home or, you know, whatever. There was always comedy. I always had comedy CDs or Comedy Central Presents or could go to a comedy club with my friends. And so there was that. It's always been part of my life. However, I got into it professionally when my husband got me, um, he bought me an admission to a comedy college. Oh. It was, it was like, here you go. And I had expressed interest. Like I, I was planning to buy myself the admission anyway, and he did it as an anniversary gift. And so two, my dog is throwing a fit. Um, <laughs> so, you know, two years ago, that was our anniversary present. And I went to the classes and it basically taught you like basic things, how to hold a microphone, how to move the mic stand. Put the mic behind you. Yeah. Yes. And it was just all these like little things that you wouldn't really know. And it taught you how to write a set and how to structure a joke. And then at the end of all of it, we did a huge show at a big comedy club that's now closed. So I have pictures of myself on this stage forever. And I get to be like, you know, part of the memory of the parlor live 
and uh dog really anyway (laughs) so um yeah so it was just like the ticket to the comedy college basically bought us onto stage Uh and I went to an open mic the night before the big show just to practice and that's where I met my mentor my mentor and she told me like when I got there I'm like hey it's my first time I'm doing this comedy show graduation tomorrow do you mind if I do like a full five minutes because I already knew that it was four minute sets yeah and here I am my very first time asking for an extra minute my very first time on stage like now I know that you basically just freaking hurry curry yourself right in front of <laughs> but um so i i did that and she told me right before i started she's like just a warning there is heroin in the mic your addiction starts tonight and she was fucking right because i've never felt endorphins like that telling a joke that you wrote yourself out of your experiences and then someone laughs at it there's just like i have I have goosebumps right now talking about it. That's how passionate this has made me. And it, it opened up a whole new thing. Like you, you start going to an open mic and then feeling that rush. And then it's like, oh shit, I just got my first paid gig. Oh shit, my face is on a poster. Oh my God, somebody recognized me outside of a comedy club and things start happening. And then before you know it, you're like, I, I have to have more. I have to have more. And now it's not even about being famous. I just want when people hear my name to go, oh, my God, I love her jokes. She's great. And so now if I hit that goal, I have made it. And it all started with a comedy college ticket. Yeah, man. You know what? I, I could have told I could tell the exact same story that you just told. I, I felt every single one of those things from um, I took a. I think a five-week comedy uh, stand-up class, uh-huh. right? a five-week class. Um, I went to the, 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 our graduation show was just like yours, but our graduation show was, is, so the way they do their graduation show, it's at a Sunday night open mic that always fills up. There's always like 20, 25, 30 comics, but mm-hmm. they'll, they'll slip in the graduating comics in between all of those comics so um, the audience really doesn't know who's the graduating class, oh. but like the family members and friends know all that, you know? Um, yeah. But to the other comics, it's just like, whoa, why are there people here tonight? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I went a week before um, to try my set out because I didn't want my graduation night to be the first night that I uh, did material in front of a real audience. Mm-hmm. I, went, I went the week before and um, and I like how, how you said. I remember the first time I got paid, right? Yeah. How about how about the first time? I don't know if this happened to you. How about the first time you got paid in weed? And I was like, holy shit! Yep, that's happened. <laughs> that has happened. And I just looked at I looked at the producer and I went, "You just saved me a trip, man, because this was going there." So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and the first time I, my my picture was on a poster, and the first time, yeah, all yeah. of that, yeah. I, I'm, I guess I'm in this heroin addiction with you and um, it's, (laughs) you know, um, I've had like a checkered past and I've, and I've fought addiction and this is the best and safest thing for me to be addicted to right now. Mm -hmm. Like now, like I don't, 
I don't drink. I don't smoke. I'm taking a, I'm, I've been taking a break from weed uh, just to clear my head. Um, I'll, the only thing is like coffee and water. That's it. Nice. Like, I, but I figured uh, I'm never going to quit coffee. So I figured I'm going to quit other stuff before my doctor ever tries to get me to quit coffee. So. Yeah. You got to have at least one vice. For yeah. me, it's coffee and comedy. Well, yeah. And weed, but I don't consider that a vice. That's a medication. It really is. It really is. But <laughs> I, I too have had the, uh, um, I, I've had my, uh, oh shoot, I've had too many edible moments before <laughs> being on stage. So I already knew not to mess with edibles and try to go on stage. Mm -hmm. But um, I was still drinking a little bit when I started comedy. And I had like my, I remember a couple of nights where I was just like, I was too buzzed to be on stage. Like that sucked. And yeah. then, um, or I was too high to be on stage. That sucked. So I, I quickly stopped uh, doing all that. And now like the stage is like completely sober. Although um, I would definitely, I, I've only stopped smoking weed about a month ago. But so when I was still doing comedy, I definitely had weed for right after the set mm -hmm. to, to come down. Because like you said, you just get so pumped up on stage. Yeah. My husband used to love it. Like, okay, a little TMI here, but when I would That's go fine. to an open mic or a show or something and have like a really great set or just the energy was awesome. Like you come home on all those endorphins and sometimes it transfers to your sex life. So he'd be like, yes, she's going out and having a good show tonight. And he would be like my hype man before the show. Like, all right, honey, you're going to be funny. Go out, have a great show. Yeah. Do the thing. And then he'd be texting me. How was it? How's everything? <laughs> and I'm just like, yep, you're, you're getting blown into next week when I get home because the show is just awesome. like, yes. Yeah. And he'd be like, yes. And now it's like, it's all zoom shows. And he'll be like listening outside the door as I'm in the bedroom, like doing a show. And he's like, how good is it? How good is it? Am I getting lucky? And I'll be like, we got zoom bombed. Joe, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, has that happened? Oh my God! It happened I think epically I, last night. I think when I joined your, I don't know if it was yours, but I joined somebody's Zoom recently, and I was like, "Dude, this Zoom doesn't have a passcode." Like I was like, "Yeah." Um. So last night was the first time I got Zoom bombed. Uh huh. And Tell it me about happened it. from like twenty people at once. Oh, we, it was oh organized. Someone hijacked my screen share. They um. Oh God, I had someone posting Pornhub links. One kid was like some 12 year old wannabe Slim Shady. It was awesome. Um, he got really pissed when I called him five cent. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. But I was able to kick them all out and then, you know, squash it. Took about five minutes. Oh, wow. But it can kill your energy. Like you sit there and you're like, yeah, we're gonna have a great show. And then someone's in there like, and I'm like, I know I'm good, but I'm not that good, honey. You don't have to fake. Just get the fuck out, all right? Or finish. Hurry up and finish. Get out. Right? It's like claiming my time, claiming my time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what, um, what, how, how is, how is, um, you're, you're further up north than me. You're in Washington? Yeah, I'm in the Seattle area. Okay, so what, what's what's the atmosphere like there now? Is it is it uh, like our restrictions loosening up? Is it no. it no? It's still locked down. We are still um, well. I'm 
I'm totally locked down. I haven't left my house since March with the uh-huh. curbside pickup and a walk once in a while. Yeah. But um, live comedy is dead. We're not allowed to have any performances where the person performing is standing. So if there's wow. a mic in your hand, you cannot be standing. And from what I hear, they've been able to like find a loophole where they actually like set up a table and a mic and kind of like this and just put someone on stage and they're like, all right, wear a mask and talk into the mic. But if you stand up, we have to shut it down. Mm. And so now it's sit down comedy in Seattle, but it hasn't, no one's leaving. So ticket sales aren't going to be happening. And like, I don't know, it's going to need, it's going to need a really strong defibrillator to get it back to living. Yeah. But Seattle is a comedy town too. Like it's, it's legendary. The scene was booming Uh right before, like literally right before three weeks before lockdown, I had five shows in one week. Like it was insane. It was probably my busiest week yet. And I was like, yeah, February is awesome. March is going to be even better. And then I'm taking a break through April and the world was like, we have plans for you. (laughs) Get some comfy PJs. Yeah. And budget yourself $16 a month for your Zoom because that's life now. <laughs> I, I put on I put on jeans last night for the first time since <laughs> since March. Jeans every day. These ones are stretchy. <laughs> okay. Um, I was I was like I was gonna put some on a couple of weeks ago, but I couldn't find my belt. And I, so in the interim, I, I bought a belt. And uh, last night, uh, I met I met up with a friend for a, a socially distanced uh, uh, dinner. And uh, I was like, I'm gonna put jeans on. <laughs> so I put some jeans on for the first time and since March. Job. Yeah. And uh, man, it was warm. It was super warm <laughs> out. So. But yeah, I've just been wearing basketball shorts. And I'm in I'm in California. So we haven't even hit sweats weather yet. It's still yeah. it's still basketball shorts and flip flops weather. Um, but uh, I'm one of those guys that like I don't like bare feet, so like I'm the flip flops with socks guy. Why not, are not you not living in the, Washington? <laughs> <laughs> but the slip on, you know, the the uh, like the Adidas slip in shoes or whatever. The slides. Yeah, the slides. That's what it's called. Yeah, I'm a yep. slides with white socks guy. Yeah, that's me. See up here we have um, the. The leather three Velcro strap kind of lock your foot in sandal with socks guy. Okay. okay. We call that PNW socks and sandals guy. <laughs> oh man. I, My husband I, is that guy. I was lucky enough to, <laughs> I was lucky enough to visit Seattle. Um, <clears throat> I think twice and I, I, I loved it both times. Um, I got, I got addicted to uh, easy street records. I love that store. Uh, they have oh my god I forgot about that place. yeah they have like a coffee shop that like a like a coffee shop so you can have coffee and breakfast and then just walk to turn around like and walk right into you're in a record store and it's it's amazing I okay. I read a I read a story um, recently uh, that the Beastie Boys uh, kicked off their hello nasty tour in Seattle um, but their their records didn't arrive on time, so Easy Street opened up the store for them at midnight one the, the night before the show, and the the DJ and the three Beastie Boys went in and spent thousands of dollars on records to use 
the following day for the show. Wow. And I'm pretty sure that, uh, like, I think it was posted on Easy Street's uh, 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 Facebook page uh, maybe about a month ago. And so, yeah, I, I love that store. I No, I don't have an Easy Street coffee cup. I think I do, but I'm, I, I have so many coffee cups. It's ridiculous. Yeah. My son gives me a dirty look every time I buy a new coffee mug because he's the one that has to like unload the dishwasher and find the places to put all this shit. And I'll be like, check out my new coffee mug. And he just goes, so which one are we getting rid of to make room for it? You know what? I somehow like lose, like, I, like, like if I do the math, I shouldn't have room for all my coffee cups, but I still somehow manage to have room for all my coffee cups so i lose a coffee cup here and there every couple of months and i don't know wow. i think i think the cleaning lady breaks them what i'm pretty sure because the first time she broke a coffee cup she confessed like uh -huh. she sent me a text message and was like i'm so sorry i broke this coffee cup um you could take it out of whatever you know you're gonna pay me and i think i was like too laxed about it i was like don't worry about it it's replaceable i'm not yeah. gonna take it out of you know, so now I think she's just like, oh, broke another one. I think she doesn't want to put them away and breaks one every few weeks. <laughs> she's just keeping you in check. Yeah, definitely still keeping me in check. Do yep. you think Do you think you'll keep these uh, Zoom shows going uh, once we're back to normal in a year or so? I think I think like April, May will be kind of normal-ish. <laughs> I think we're definitely going to be still chilling like this for at least through the holidays just, i mean yeah. just to be safe i mean because like i don't want to get too optimistic though because like i was supposed to be having my postponed wedding reception next week and that's canceled so uh -huh. <laughs> like and and we planned that last year so um i don't want to be too optimistic but as long as there's an interest for the zoom comedy yeah like, the zoom comedy listen to me um yeah, as long as there's an interest for it, I'll keep doing it. And yeah. then once the world opens back up, I want to turn this into a live show. Oh, definitely. Oh, the whole roulette? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I, I think this would just be, oh my God, even as like an audience participation thing, like you, get your ass up here. You get to talk three minutes about felching. <laughs> that is a word on the wheel. So bless whoever gets that. A long time ago, Bakersfield had a DJ named Lotus Felcher. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> Do you remember him? He played yep. great music. He, he, yes. like, he had like Sunday nights on Crab Radio. He was the first DJ I heard play Alanis Morissette. And he pronounced her last name wrong. He's like, I think it's Morissette, but here yeah. it is. And played uh, You Ought to Know. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. My first, oh God, I used to call up and talk to the real Bruce Wayne. Oh, the, the Dark Knight, the real Bruce Wayne. He, he was actually the one that told me where I needed to go to school and what I needed to do to get into radio. Yeah, I heard he was a really nice, supportive guy. Like he always was. Uh, yeah, I was like 12 years old. Wow. Yeah, I was 12. I was 12 and calling him and like, this is what I want to do what do I need to do? And like, I would call, like I was making a request or a dedication during his like, you know, nine to midnight uh -huh. session. And I would put in my request and it was usually something stupid. Like I want to hear something by green day or whatever. And uh, I don't even remember what I was listening to back then. 
And I would then be like, okay, now I have a question. I want to do what you do. Where did you go to school? What do I have to do? What plans do I need to make? I'm 12 years old. I've got to start doing this. Wow. And he's like, do you do public speaking? And I'm like, well, yeah, I've been doing the oral language festival for God, since fourth grade. What else? Uh-huh. And he's like, keep doing that. When you, go to, awesome. when you go to college, go to a voice academy and learn how to use your voice. And then everything will happen after that. And son of a bitch was right. It, wow. <laughs> we took a detour, but yeah, the son of a bitch was right. Do you remember uh, when Pirate Radio hit Bakersfield with um, Rocky? Uh, who was it? Rocky? Rocky and, Nash. Rocky Nash. And who was her partner? Des- Loaf. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Desi and Rocky Nash or... Yeah, I can't there, remember. There was Desi and Rocky Nash. Yeah, that oh god, yeah, that was when Pirate Radio first started. That was that's when Pirate Radio started and they really woke up Bakersfield Radio. Like they, mm-hmm. they took Bakersfield Radio and really shook it up and it was it was good. Like I remember like hearing Mr. Brownstone on the radio and like people played Guns N' Roses, but no one ever played Brownstone. Yeah. They yeah, were that yeah. Was- they were really, they were really good to me. That was during a time when I had a, I had a music blog in Bakersfield, like in 2004, like 2000, yeah, it was like 2004, 2005. Like I would go out and watch the local bands. Like I would watch like, oh gosh, like uh, Three Cent Nickel, Tempered. Uh, oh my God. Gramercy Riff, Stereo Tactic. I know guys in Three Cent Nickel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those guys are great. Uh, Heath Webb, I, Rob Shock. Um, I used to watch them at Vinny's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, Vinny's was great. Oh, wow. I loved going to Vinny's. Vinny's and Jerry's Pizza was the best place to catch new music. <laughs> yeah, Jerry's Pizza was great. Jerry's Pizza had the coldest Newcastle. Like, it was so good. And But they gave it to you in a plastic cup. Mm-hmm. But the Newcastle was so good. Oh man, I I saw so many great shows at Vinny's, Vinny's yeah. and Jerry's. Jerry's is legendary, like it is. bands from all over the country know know uh, Jerry's Pizza. I mean, Weezer did like that surprise show there one year. Uh huh. When yep. they were getting ready to tour for the Blue Album, I think. I was too young to be present at that, but. Oh wow. Well, I mean. <laughs> That's. But, but yeah, so you remember Three Cent Nickel and all those guys. Yeah, that was, oh my God. Three Cent Nickel's crazy because I was, I was dating a guy that was the brother of, oh God, was he the bass player or the, I don't know. One of the guys in Three Cent Nickel, I was dating his brother. Uh-huh. During the time that they were like constantly playing. So yeah, that was, you said you, that and it just sparked some. Do you remember the Filthies? I do. I loved the Filthies. I yeah. loved the Filthies. They they were probably they, the Filthies did uh, the greatest cover of the Dramarama song "Anything." Oh God, yeah. Yeah, they they were great. You know, there's a they're they're actually they're going to be on my podcast next week. Uh, there's a they're a record label slash vintage store called Revolution Vintage. Uh huh. And they're they're producing records. They've they're uh, they're putting stuff out on vinyl, and um, they're actually um, doing a series of Bakersfield bands, um, putting them on vinyl. And uh, I bought I don't have it yet, but I pre-ordered. Uh, I don't know if you remember Mission Tonight. 
was a local band, Mission Tonight. So they're doing Mission Tonight, Red Adair, and somebody else, but they're putting the stuff out on clear vinyl. Uh, it's beautiful. I really reasonably priced and uh, they're going to be on the podcast next week. And I'm hoping that they do more of these uh, Bakersfield bands, uh, classic Bakersfield bands uh, on, on vinyl because Bakersfield has a great music scene. They do. Yeah. It's one of the good things about them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love the Bakersfield music scene, man. That's great. So the, the Zoom shows are going to continue as long as you, you see an interest in them. And mm -hmm. I really think that, yeah, this, this, uh, the, the Russian roulette would do, would do great, I think, at, at a club, uh, small club, big club, whatever. But it definitely would be because, it, it, man, it gets you out of your comfort zone. Um, do you have, like, uh, times that, that you run the show? Like, do they have a set time? Do you want to pitch the times and the mics and stuff that you're doing? Sure. Um so the schedule as it is right now is everything Pacific time. I'm just going to lay that out now. <laughs> um, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. is Make the Love Seat Laugh. That's a no light open mic for long sets. On Thursdays at noon, I have Couch Potatoes, which is also a long set no light open mic. So those are great. Like if you have a show coming up and you need to polish your long 15 or something. Yeah. Not for taking 10 minutes to practice three jokes. <laughs> um, and then Russian roulette has been moved to weekends. So now that's Saturday night at 9 p.m. and Sunday afternoons at 3. But a little birdie done told me the other day that now we're thinking about making Rush a six days a week thing. Oh, wow. But that has not been made official yet. So, um, I mean, you can quote me as it being not official yet, but right now that's in the works because I really think that if we ran like an hour a day where people could just run in, riff, have a good time, and then go out, it might work. And yeah. my days freed up. So. I, I'm actually thinking about like trying to find like a lunchtime open mic that I can do because I, I get an hour for lunch every day. And uh, uh, I, try to, I try to get out of the house. Like, uh, like that's when I do my Trader Joe run. Yeah, and I'll go. I'll go to Trader Joe's because I feel really safe there. Everything they're they're cleaning the carts. They're wipe the carts down before they hand them to you. Mm -hmm. You can't go in without a mask, and everything is nice and clean. Um, but I don't need to go to Trader Joe's every day. But I I would. I think I'm gonna get to the point where I'm looking for something around the one o'clock hour that I could jump into. And um, but I'm definitely down for the the Russian roulette on Sundays at three o'clock. Uh -huh. That hour is perfect for me, man. It worked out so great last week. It, it was over by like five. Mm -hmm. Was it over? Did you try to run it for two hours or an hour and a half? My goal is an hour and a half. I okay. love to keep a mic nice and tight at 90 minutes. If we go to two hours and everyone's having fun, that's great. After two hours, it's like I'm looking at my watch going, God damn does anyone else want to host? Cause I got to pee. <laughs> That's one thing that I worry about too. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I'm, 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 I'm doing, I'm working really hard to lose weight. And one of the things about uh, my, my routine is that I drink a gallon of water every day. So by like four or five o'clock, I'm mm -hmm. getting up to go to the bathroom like every 20 minutes. So, oh, yeah. So uh, I've done a couple of Zoom shows where like they're like at six, seven o'clock and I, and I really got to watch my water intake because I'll be like getting up and going pee like every 20 minutes on those yeah. nights. Um, but it just helps me be more 
uh, conscientious of what I'm putting into my body uh, because I got to make sure I let it out. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, that's great. Tara, I, I enjoyed, uh, th thank you for filling in last minute. I messaged you last night, like at, <laughs> I don't know, it was late already. I mean, it wasn't early. And, well, it was uh, the afternoon, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, but um, <laughs> thanks for filling in last minute, man. Things happen, but I knew, like, I just started thinking of Zoom mic hosts because, uh, like, the, I've, I've invited a couple of people on the podcast and they're like, okay, how do I get Zoom? And I'm like, okay, never mind. Um, let me, <laughs> let's move on, you know? Um, but I, now I know to, like, go after the, the Zoom mic host because you guys know exactly what you're doing. Look at you with your profession. Look at your microphone setup. That's that's sweet. I haven't gone that far yet um, because I, I go between the kitchen and the living room. So I've got like a laptop set up in my kitchen and I've got a laptop set up in my living room. I got the, I have the Yeti here for nice. podcasting and for, uh, for the zoom mic, I think last week I used the, the Samsung and I can't remember if I held it or not. I feel more in a riff mode if I'm holding the microphone. I was like, here we go. So I have your standard, you know, comedians, sure SM58, which I was holding. Uh -huh. but it it becomes, you know, so much more profesh when it looks like this. It does. It does. Yeah. I have I have a sure and I have a uh, a Samsung. Samsung, mm -hmm. Samsung? Yeah. Samsung. Samsung. I have I have a I think I have four because before all this, I was recording the podcast in my living room. Mm -hmm. That was fun, man. Like uh, I would record on Saturday morning still, uh, but it would be about 11 o'clock. I'd have people over in my living room. The setup was there. We'd have coffee. We'd have a little weed afterwards because weed before just made for a horrible podcast. Yeah. They'd just be like, what do you want to eat after this, man? I don't know. Can we just oh, order it God. now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got Thank oh. you for, oh, no, what were you saying? I don't want to cut you oh, off. Oh, I was just going to say, next thing you got to do is you get yourself a desk with wheels, and then you have a mobile production studio. <laughs> Man, I, I, these, these are goals I have now. Um, Tara, thank you for filling in. Um, I got, uh, I will splice in your, your social medias. Are you on Twitter? I think I am. Okay, that, I'm going to take that. I never use it. Yeah, that's a no. I found you on I found you on Instagram, but your Instagram says I never use this. Yeah, Seattle comedian that never uses her Instagram. At least I'm honest. Yeah, but your most recent picture you posted, I think it was like September 16th or something like that, or was yeah. that 2019? No, that was a, that was a couple weeks ago, and that was because someone pointed out that I haven't been very active on Instagram. So I was like, fine, here's a picture. Uh, I, All right, now go find I, me on Facebook. <laughs> I love Instagram more than Facebook. Um, Facebook, I have muted almost everybody <laughs> or snoozed. I've snoozed almost everybody on Facebook. Uh, Instagram, they still can't get too political. Um, Facebook, they, people, I don't know. I don't, I, not, not that I'm not aware of the politics, but like, I just get angry, you know? And then yeah. it just, it takes me out of my zone and, um, you know, I'm definitely going to vote. <laughs> so that's where I try to keep it at, you know? Just um, use your anger for good, man. Yeah. Use your anger, build a platform, and then shout loud from it. I hear you. I hear you. And I respect that, man. <laughs> Tara, thank you for filling in last minute. I will see you later on this afternoon at 3 o'clock. 
I hope I don't get Kazakhstan for one minute. I removed that word. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> but whatever I get, I hope I don't get one minute. I hope I get like three or four minutes because I, I love talking, as you could tell. But thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate thanks you, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a great time. All right. I'll see you soon, Tara. Yep, I'll see you soon. Have a great day, Justin. Okay, you too. Bye.